How do you normally start cooking? Olive oil, right? Well, I have great news for you. This podcast is also brought to you by California Olive Ranch, expertly crafted extra version olive oil. Go to CaliforniaOliveRanch.com and enter the promo code CHICKENS10, that's one word, CHICKENS10, to receive 10% off your entire first purchase. The offer is available through December 31st. California Olive Ranch, discovery starts in the bottle. Let's start the show. Pastel de nata. Churros. Brigadeiro. Calzone. Apple pie. Shredu rou pian. Bangers and mash. Toad in the hole. Paella. Hello there, my chickens and dishes. How are you? Welcome back for another episode of Turning Chickens and Breaking Dishes. My name is David G. Martins, or David Guimarães Martins, and I'm the executive chef for the European Union Embassy in Washington, D.C. And as always, just in case, if this is your first time listening, let me explain to you why my podcast has this exceptional name. I'm originally from Portugal, and I've been living in Washington, D.C. for the last nine years. And the name of the podcast refers to two Portuguese phrases. Turning chickens means someone that has a lot of experience, and breaking dishes means someone that has exceeded all expectations. I'll be asking my guests if we've been turning more chickens or breaking more dishes. Every episode I'll have a guest and we'll talk about everything related to food, not necessarily ingredients or dishes, but how through food we can help communities, the success of small business owners, the fascinating stories that we remember growing up with our family sitting around the table, and even what's the best breakfast ever. Don't forget to subscribe to my podcast and all the platforms you have access to. You can follow me on Instagram at Turning Chickens Breaking Dishes or the Facebook page Turning Chickens and Breaking Dishes. If you want to support this podcast, go to anchor.fm slash david-martins. I hope you enjoy listening to every episode and don't forget I'm Portuguese. So if you don't understand something, just Google it. My guest today is one of the most renowned chocolatiers and pastry chefs in the world. Although he thought he would be a carpenter like his father, at the age of 15, he took an apprenticeship at a pastry shop, and the rest is history. In 1986, he became the youngest person ever to win the meilleur ouvrier pâtissier de France, basically means he was the bougiest and badass best pastry chef in France. Two years later, he moved to the United States to work at the Ritz-Carlton. In 2000, he opened his first chocolate store, Jacques Torres Chocolate in New York City, and currently there are six locations. His TV credentials include Dessert Circus with Jacques Torres, Chocolate, and most recently the show on Netflix, Nailed It. He's the Dean of Pastry Arts of the International Culinary Center community. He has won several awards and he's also a cookbook author. Also, it's because of people like him that I gain weight every year, all for my love of chocolates. Jacques Torres, welcome to the podcast. Bonjour, very happy to, to talk to you today. Thank you very um, much. How are you? Everything is okay? Everything is good, you know, according to, even with what's going on in the world today, um, we try to uh, put a smile in our face. Two important questions, Jacques. Have you ever been to Portugal? My sister-in-law is from Portugal. I love the food, but I never went actually to Portugal, not. Jacques. Yeah. Okay. One of those places actually with, uh, uh, let's say that I heard a lot of, uh, a lot of good things. And um, I don't know, let's see where the world takes us, but I would love to, to visit it, yes. I have to admit, actually, when I was doing some research about you, I was trying, but I couldn't find anything because your last name is very Portuguese, among other nationalities, but also Portuguese. So I kept trying and trying. I was like, he must have something, but I couldn't find anything. My family comes from uh, Ibiza. That's why the name Torres. But um, I was born in, uh, in North Algeria when Algeria was a French territory. 
So I was born French. And then when the war happened, my, my parents went to, uh, to the south of France. So, but I go back to Ibiza to have a lot of cousins there, a lot of families. So I go back to Ibiza time to time. Do you know any Portuguese words? Do you know how to say chocolate in Portuguese? Chocolates? Exactly. Chocolates. Exactly. <laughs> it's always the same everywhere. So we'll start the conversation. How are your carpenter skills nowadays? I love carpentry. I didn't want to do carpentry. I was afraid of, you know, losing finger. And the crazy thing is a couple months ago, I was working in one of my uh, big machine here. Uh, my mechanic started the machine and I actually did the same than my dad lost a piece of my finger. Um, so, you know, I think it's, it's meant to be. Now I have one thumb a little bit shorter than the other. Do you think that your skills as a chocolatier are all related to your father's carpenter skills? They both require you to be very good with your hands? I, I think that I'm a craftsman. It uh, doesn't matter what a craftsman will do, I believe. If I do carpentry, if I do chocolate, masonry, stone carving, whatever, cooking. I think that I love to create with my hands and I like to go pretty deep into things, uh, learning. So my guess is uh, if I become a carpenter, I think I will take that very seriously as I take uh, doing pastry and chocolate very seriously. Did you notice from a very young age that you had a very, very skilled with your hands? I don't think that I was skilled with my hands. And I don't think that talent is something that you get born with. Uh, I believe in hard work. I believe in passion. And hard work and passion together will bring you talents, will bring you skills, will bring you easiness doing things. I don't think that you get born with, uh, with those talents. That, that, that's, my, that, that's what I think. Jax, let's share your knowledge a little bit, please. Uh, what is the best way and a simple way to make the best chocolate mousse? Simplicity is usually the essence. Ingredients. You, you cannot make a good chocolate mousse with bad chocolates. Um, and it, there is different recipe of chocolate mousse, but my favorite is the one where you use egg white because you get a lot more lightness than using cream. Um, that's where you need skill. Egg white need sugar in order to not split or not separate. But if you put too much sugar, then your chocolate mousse is not good. So I love to put a little bit of lemon. Uh, the citric acid in, into the, the lemon juice help to spread those, those protein of the egg white. So by putting a little bit of lemon juice and a tiny bit of sugar, then your egg white gain volume and don't break down. And that's when you're going to mix that with your chocolate and maybe a yolk and mix everything together and have a beautiful light chocolate mousse. Leave it in the refrigerator for two to three hours and then it is magical if it's well done. Where did your decision to enter in the pastry world come from? I love cooking. You know, I come from a family where we are a little bit round and, uh, and overweight. <laughs> It's actually common. You go, it's funny. I went to Ibiza. We talked about Ibiza earlier. And um, I was around the table where, where there was about 40 people. That was the birthday of my cousin, one of my cousins. And, um, and I told my wife, I said, Asti, look around. She said, what? She said, look, we all look alike. We are all 
not that tall, you know, I'm, I'm five, nine, five, eight, and all, you know, a little bit round and, you know, love food. I say, look, we all look alike. And she laughed so hard and she said, you know what, you're right. That, that was very funny. So my, uh, my brother was a chef and um, I love to eat, I love to cook. So I, I asked him, I said, look, what, what can I do to, to become a chef? What can I do to become a good chef? And he told me, he said, look, there is no good pastry shop, uh, there is no good restaurant in Bandol, small town where I grew up, um, where you can do a good apprenticeship, but there is a good pastry shop. Maybe you try that. So I went and I, I approached the owner and he agreed to let me try it on Wednesday and, and Sunday, my day off that I don't work at school. And, um, and I fall in love with the profession and I became a pastry chef. So it was a pretty, pretty easy process here. Uh, in France, you don't really go to a school. You, you do an apprenticeship. The company that you work for will, will give you a little money, maybe 10% of the minimum wage or 15% of the minimum wage during those two years. And, um, and after two years, you pass a degree and you became a chef. Why to focus on chocolates? Actually, it's interesting. I actually didn't focus on, on chocolates. I, um, my, my specialty is actually cho- uh, pardon, pastry. So I am a MOF, a Meilleur Ouvrier de France in pastry. Um, even if chocolate exists as an MOF. Uh, but pastry requires you to do some chocolates. So I do chocolates, I do ice cream, I do cakes, I do, you know, all those things. Chocolate is more of a specialty inside the, the, the pastry department. So I am an MOF pastry chef. That's my specialty. But over the time, I developed a love for working with chocolates. And this love became more of a, a bigger love over, over the years. And when I decided to open a business, instead of opening a, a pastry business, I decided to open a chocolate business. And then that was 20 years ago. So I guess that now I'm pretty specialized in, uh, in chocolates too. So in Portugal, I know that a lot of producers actually add carob flour to give a chocolate color flavor and it's much cheaper to use. Which ingredients have you seen used to be to substitute real chocolates? You know, it's interesting. And you're right. There is ingredients that you can use as substitute. I'm more someone who loves to, to be a purist or love to try to find, locate the best cacao beans. So we, we, are, we are part of a, a group of people and I own my own trees in, uh, in Mexico as an example. And we went as far as the DNA of the tree, try old DNA, uh, the purest uh, DNA possible to get the best uh, cacao possible. So I don't work with substitute. I try to act actually work with the best cacao beans possible. Today, a lot of the, the cacao beans and 50% of some of the country, like Peru as an example, grow some hybrid cacao beans who are not as good as they can be. They are called CCN51 and they are not as good as you can get them. So by doing what I do, I protect that DNA for future generations. And I have my own uh, cacao beans that I can transform into, into chocolates. So no much of a substitute for us. How hard is nowadays to buy good quality chocolates because of all of this? It's good, good chocolates or good cacao beans are becoming a little bit more rare. So look, it's not that difficult if you have a lot of money. 
if you have money <laughs> to invest into the business, then, then you find them. You know what? It's, it's the market. So relationship with the, with the farmers. Uh, and it's tough because you have to go in a country where you don't speak the language. You have to, to find a way to, uh, to work directly or as less people as possible between you and the farmer for the farmer to get good money. And if they, good, if they get good money, then they will keep doing those good cacao beans. If you don't pay them enough, then what they do, they cut th th those good trees and they, they put trees that produce a lot faster, a lot more of those less good cacao beans, but they're going to sell a lot more. So they will also uh, get their revenue. It's up to the maker to tell the farmer, look, look we, we, are, we are willing to pay five times the price of the cacao beans. Please do not cut those good trees. So that's, that's up to us to do that. 100% cocoa, sometimes people go to the store and says 100% chocolate bar, right? Is there a myth? There's such thing and people should bake with that or no? You know, there is a difference between 100% cocoa and 100% cocoa butter. So that's one thing that I think the listener has to differentiate. In Europe, when you buy chocolates, a lot of label we say pure cocoa butter. That means there is no other fat than the fat coming from the plant of cacao called cocoa butter. So it's like putting uh, cranberry juice in wine. If it's 100 apes, it's wine. Otherwise, you cannot call it wine. If it's 100% cocoa butter, you can call it chocolates. In Europe, you can put a certain percentage in the US too of all the fat than cocoa butter. The problem with that is the, fat, the substitute fat from cocoa butter is not a fat that will melt at your body temperature. So if that fat doesn't melt at your body temperature when you eat that chocolate, the fat stay into your test bud and kind of cover them. That's when you get what we call a waxy chocolate. Feel a little bit like, like wax. Cocoa butter will melt under the temperature of your body. So when you eat it, it just go down and, and you get that great mouth feeling. So that's about the cocoa butter. That's about 100% cocoa butter. Now you're talking about cocoa contents. Cocoa contents, 100% cocoa contents means that there is no sugar into your chocolates. And not everyone will like that. I promise you, if you're not used to taste 100% cocoa content chocolates, you're not going to like it. Extremely it's bitter. Very strong. Be very bitter. Yeah. It's very bitter. It's very astringent. It's not the best um, tasting uh, things that, that you can get. But also remember, higher the quality of the cacao beans, less sugar you will have to add to your chocolates. So let's say that you have a very high-end cacao beans. You can make 80, 85% cocoa content chocolate bar and still enjoy that flavor, the astringent and bitterness or acidity will not be too high. Now, if you buy a less quality cacao beans, you will have to put 50% sugar because you have to mask all those unpleasant flavor. You have to go over that in order to enjoy some of the flavor. So this is where the difference is and this is what you pay for the quality of the cacao beans and the flavor of those cacao beans that's the most important 
How do you make sure your chocolate tastes like what it costs as opposed to settling for a Snickers bar? That will come from the buyer. When I buy my cacao beans, when I buy my chocolates, and I buy a lot of chocolates. I buy my chocolates from Belgium, from a company called uh, Belcolade. Um, they, they are very, it's a serious company. So I go to them and I know that's a benchmark that they will not go under with the quality of their chocolates, for sure. And they go to an extent of talking to the farmer, educate the farmer, give more money to the farmer in order to secure those good cacao beans. And from those good cacao beans come good chocolates. So I don't, I, I grow a little bit of my cacao, but not everything. So I have to, to rely on, on that company or on, on other companies where I buy my chocolates. And I taste, I taste what I buy. And this is the way that I know that what I'm going to sell is up to the standard of the price that I ask. And you just talk about standards. I was going to ask you, how do you keep those standards and avoid shortcuts in your business? Because after a while, sometimes people decide to take a little bit of a shortcuts, you know, for financial reasons, whatever reasons is, marketing reasons. How do you keep those standards all the time? We talk about craftsmanship and this is what I am in love for. I am in love for making good product. This is my passion. This is what I love to do. I mentioned that I love to eat also. I love good product. So all that is related. I will be unhappy if I take one of the chocolates when I walk around my manufacturer, and this is where I am now. If I walk around the manufacturer and I taste the chocolates and I don't like it, or it's not up to what I love, I promise you I will stop making it. That's, that's pretty much the story here. If one of the product is not good, then I stop. And that's, I think, how we keep our standard by be sure that we make good, good product, good techniques, very clean, uh, efficient. You, you talk about uh, finance. It's other way to, to lower the cost of a product than taking shortcut on the quality of the product. Maybe by buying better equipment, maybe finding better techniques, maybe be more efficient also will save you money and be able to keep the price that, that you sell the product or keeping your buyers to buy from you. So we try everything. And before I have to cut on quality, believe me, I will try everything else. You know, to me, it's not, it's not really an option. So you love chocolates, but what's one dessert you cheat on chocolate with? I actually <laughs> cheat on chocolates a lot. I have to say that I love, I am a gourmand. I love um, a lot of the sweet things from M&M peanuts. This is one of the things that I always loved as a kid. I still love them today. And I think I was coming back from California where we taped my show, nailed it uh, a few days ago. And at the airport, I was with my son. Wife was not with us. That's why that happened. Um, and I buy peanut M&M. <laughs> and, and I have to say, I, I love that stuff. You know, I, I love them. But uh, I love desserts. And if I look at, you know, if I imagine um, a good puff pastry, very light, certainly cooked upside down, so the puff pastry have the time to, to raise, and then dry it a little bit in the oven, put a little bit of sugar or corn syrup on top, make it very, very crunchy, and, and put some apples on the bottom and a nice 
vanilla ice cream with real vanilla on top and eat that dessert warm, oh my God, what better than that? Or I'm sure you know, you know the Napoleon that you can find in, in, in a bakery, but look, a Napoleon is very technical. A good Napoleon is not easy to make. A good Napoleon will be the same color on the middle of the dough than each side. That means that dough, that puff pastry going to stay in the oven for, I don't know, 40, 50 minutes, be very crunchy, caramelized on top, put together with a delicious uh, pastry cream, eat it when it's fresh, when it's still very crunchy and creamy on the center. A good Napoleon is really a great experience. So again, I'm a gourmand and, and talking about pastry is what I love to do and, and tasting different pastry is just, you know, something that I love to do. That's the two of us. That's why I'm, I'm round as well. So shifting the, <laughs> shifting the conversation a little bit, what was your first memory of taste? Ooh, that's a tough question. Usually people ask me, when do you have a taste chocolate? So what is my memory of first chocolate taste? But my first memory of taste, you know, I have to say banana. Remember, you say first memory of taste. And I love that as a, I remember that as a kid, there was never enough banana in the house. That was something that I never had enough. And it's funny because I have a four-year-old and a one-and-a-half-year-old. Oh, my God. Banana is the food to go. They love banana. There is never enough banana at home. And I was exactly the same. So I don't know. I would say banana. Okay. You know, banana is good. Yeah. One of my first memories was always coming back from school when I was on first grade. And my snack in the afternoon was my mom, she smashed bananas with a fork squeeze orange juice and just a table uh, tablespoon of sugar and that was it and that was my afternoon snack when i'll come from from school how old was you when you eat that banana uh, i dessert? was probably uh, i remember being four or five my mom feeding me that all the time yeah yeah i remember four or five something like that a little bit older than that maybe eight nine when you know when the family go to the beach and you spend time at the beach and especially at that time there was nothing to eat at the beach and we don't really take things also as a you know for a picnic let's say so when i come back home i will eat anything that i find in the refrigerator and i will remember that my mom used to take a baguette and in france you know baguette are so good so a piece of baguette take one of those sorts of france that also you have in portugal uh, a beautiful uh, uh, tomato, slice it, put it over the bread, olive oil, just pure olive oil on top of it, a little bit of salt, no even pepper. Close the baguette and, and smash it a little bit for the bread, for the baguette to absorb the juice of the tomato and the olive oil together and bite into that baguette. Look, it's nothing more simple than that, really. Bread, olive oil, tomato, period. No even garlic, because as a kid, I didn't like garlic. And to me, that was like, wow, that was so good. <laughs> but again, this is not my first memory of taste. This is something that I loved when I was a kid. And same thing with a tablet of chocolates on the bread. Uh, no tomato, but chocolate. So those are the things that I remember to eat. And I was so hungry coming back from the beach. The most underrated ingredient for you. That's interesting. Maybe what, what I cannot cook without, maybe 
it's so many of them. It's, it's difficult to tell so many of them. If I look at cooking, and I will say salt, pepper, herbs, sometimes spice. Those are the things that I cannot do without. They are sometimes a little bit underrated because people are afraid of, of using them. And I love to use that. If I talk about two big category here. I know. I'm sorry, Jax. About... Next time, sorry. No, no, no. I, 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 because it's so many. If, if I look at meat, I will go to maybe, maybe shank. You know, the, the, the shank of the lamb or, or those things. We cook them in Europe and they cook like eight hours and they are so good. Uh, if I look at pastry, apple. Apple. Good apple pastry is so good. And, and I can keep going with fish, with, you know, all those different categories. Okay. But maybe in pastry, apple. apple. Apple is very simple. We have apple all year. And you can do a lot of good things with apple. One of the most traditional Portuguese desserts, it's literally you just, a whole apple, you just take the core out, right, the center, and you fill it up halfway with sugar and then the other half with port wine. You stick a cinnamon stick and you roast in the oven for 40 minutes. That's it. Simple. Port is delicious. I love ports. You guys do good ports. The most overrated ingredient. You should just shock the world, Jack, and say chocolates. Just to be... <laughs> no, I can't. I can't. I don't think it's overrated. Ugh, this is so hard for me. I know. I'm sorry. No, it, you know... I respect ingredients so much that I try to, to, to take them for what they are. So overrated, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm, I have a blank. I'm sorry. It's, it's, you can have a blank. It's fine. You, you earn a blank. That's absolutely fine. The best breakfast you can have. Oh, my God. Breakfast. Petit déjeuner. Uh, le petit déjeuner. You know, I, I have to say I'm still very French for that. Um, I love a good basket of stuff coming from a very good bakery. So, of course, croissant, pain au chocolat, brioche are the things that French love. But things a little bit less known, like the Queen Amon pastry from uh, Brittany, or, or even a good baguette with some uh, butter from Normandy, uh, you know, even, even butter with a little bit of salt in it a good fresh baguette and, and a baguette of bakery. That's usually what I will go for. And what I will drink is definitely a good cappuccino. That's important. When I say good is because I love coffee and, and, uh, and you cannot make a good coffee without a good machine. So I'm very serious about, about my coffee. I have two coffee machines in, uh, in my office and that's the two good things during the day. And of course, fresh orange juice or grapefruit juice but that will be coffee juice bakery that's 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 what i love i i am not very american in that way eggs and and big breakfast is not or big protein breakfast is not what i go for i can't as well and it's funny you mentioned coffee coffee you talk about a little bit before about the importance of the farmers for chocolates, you know, the cocoa beans raising and coffee. It's also a big research and, you know, you have to talk with the farmers. You have to look what the farmers are doing. There's a similarity there between the coffee and the, co the cocoa beans and people that produce chocolates. They grow pretty much in the same place. Yep. So in my trips for, for, for cacao, I always see coffee. 
uh, this is one of the, the things that grow in a similar um, altitude and in a similar area. And actually, around the, the, the cacao plantation, we put some coffee plants. The coffee plants will help with the pollination for the insect that are going to pollinate the coffee and go to the cacao and go to the trees, put different trees, papaya, mango tree, we, we put banana tree, we put a lot of those trees around the cacao, the cacao tree for pollination reason, for shade reason. But also, I do believe that that will give hint of the flavor of those trees. So having the banana tree, the papaya tree, the coffee will help your, your cacao to have all those delicious flavor or hints of flavor of all those trees around it. I don't know if it's in my head or if it's real, but this is what we have in our plantation. What is the strangest combination people might do it that you just cannot accept? And because chocolate is your, your world, you can actually answer that in a chocolate way. An ingredient that people put with chocolate that you're like, no. No many things that doesn't go with chocolates. I mean, if you think about um, chocolate pear with a lot of different, pretty much any fruits, even lemon. I make, I make dark chocolate with lemon. I use passion foods. I use pretty much all the foods, a lot of spice, coffee, alcohol, pretty much almost everything go with chocolate. Something that I don't like is actually bacon. I, I, I understand the chocolate was a savory dish or, or used in savory dish at the beginning. The Mayan use cacao to cook Uh, meat and to cook different things. So I understand the reason why we will associate uh, bacon with chocolate. But as I test bud, I do not like the association. Salt, very little, very little to just enhance the flavor of the chocolate. I'm okay with that. But when people start to put salt, grain of salt into the top of the chocolate, this is too much for me. And bacon, look, I'm not arguing it is good or not. I'm not arguing that it might be good. What I'm arguing is it's not something that I love uh, to eat. So bacon is, is one of those products that personally I, I'm not for it. So the name of the podcast is Turning Chickens and Breaking Dishes. Those are two Portuguese phrases. Turning chickens means someone that has a lot of experience and breaking dishes means someone that has exceeded all expectations. Do you think you've been turning more chickens or breaking more dishes? Lately, I break, I break a lot of dishes. Uh, the reason is, again, cut a piece of my thumb, so I need to learn to work with it again. After 60 years of doing what I do, you have to learn again. So I break a lot of dishes. Chicken, you say this is having a lot of experience. Yes, turning chickens means a lot of experience. You never finish learning. That, that will be what, what, what I want to say. I'm still, I'm still hunting the perfect, the perfect chocolate mousse. And I think that the chocolate mousse that I make is really good, but I'm still hunting maybe for a better one. I think that never give up on learning because this is what's going to make you better. That's important. So never, never think that what you have or what you make is perfect. My guess is there is always a little things that you can add to, 
to that perfection if you think you, what you do is perfect. I, I don't think that what I do is perfect. I always try um, to do something a little bit better. At the end of the podcast, I tell my guests to sell their fish. So in Portugal, if you tell someone to sell their fish, that means to talk about yourself. You know, a lot of people know you, but where people can find you, what's future for you? I know you also on Netflix on the show, like I mentioned, you know, what can you say about you sell your fish, Jack? Just sell your fish. Thank you. I take what I do very seriously. It looks like you do too. I take it very seriously. I bring the quality of the product as high as I can. Techniques, I do that for over 45 years now. I certainly know how to make chocolate, you know how to make pastry, but I still every day try to be better. That being said, chocolate is not about being snob. Chocolate is about pleasure. So if what makes you happy or what brings you pleasure is to eat a Hershey bar, then good for you. I mean, I, I don't trash that. I don't, I don't judge that if it's what makes you happy. So give me a chance, taste my product, and uh, if you love it, enjoy it. If it's not up to your taste, then eat what up to your taste and enjoy, enjoy it. That's to me the most important. Enjoy what you love. Uh, but don't be afraid of opening your, your, your horizon and taste different things. Uh, that, that would be, you know, what the advice that I can give people. Sometimes people come to me and say, oh, you know, I eat only that percentage and this and that. And I'm thinking, you should try different things. You should try sweeter. You should try less sweet. You should try different brand. And just enjoy what, what your body tells you that your body enjoys. That's it. That's, uh, it's not about being snob, it's about, it's about enjoying. And people can see you on Netflix as well, right? On the show? Oh, and... Yes, I have a show on Netflix. The show is called uh, Nailed It. It's a very funny show. I think that we already take 30, 38 episodes and more are coming. I don't know if I have the right to say that, but more are coming. And I used to be on TV Food Network and also on PBS uh, for five years, about 100 shows together. So I have a past, on, a past and present uh, on television and uh, a streaming uh, show, other than what I do every day, which is pastry and chocolate, or I should say chocolate and pastry. I tell this to some guests, and I've been very grateful to do this, although you know, I work at the embassy as a chef. I started doing this podcast not even two months ago. It's a pleasure to have you here. Uh, you, are, you are amazing. Your work speaks for itself. If I ever go to New York, I might, you know, just call you like, hey, can I, you know, just check what you do? Uh, we have a great manufacturer. If you come to New York, you will, I, I promise you, you have to see it. 40,000 square feet. It's in of, Brooklyn, right? Brooklyn? It's in Brooklyn. The Brooklyn okay. Army Terminal, which is a great building. But 40,000 square feet of, uh, chocolate manufacturing with beautiful machine. We are extremely clean. You, if you come to New York, please come and visit it. As a chef, you will enjoy. I, I can hear through your speaking that you're a chef and you will enjoy that, I promise you. If you see me put two or three chocolates in my pocket, don't judge because I really like chocolate. Okay, Jacques? So just, just let me... Take as much as you want. <laughs> thank you very much. Uh, this was a pleasure. I hope you have a great day and I hope to see you Merci again beaucoup. soon. So thank you. Merci beaucoup. Thank well, you. Thank you. Did you like that episode? Raise your hands. Me too. 
Thank you very much for listening to the episode. I'm so grateful for all the messages and comments that you have left. And if you haven't done that, don't forget also to subscribe to the podcast, share, tell your friends all about the chickens we are turning and the dishes we are breaking. You can follow me on Instagram at Turning Chickens Breaking Dishes, on the Facebook page Turning Chickens and Breaking Dishes, and you can also send me an email to info at turningchickensandbreakingdishes.com. Don't forget I release an episode every Tuesday and Friday of each week, so stay tuned all the time. If you want to support this podcast, you can go to anchor.fm slash david-martins. Have an amazing day. Adios. Thank you.